1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents pain and pendergast fast forward to
3: where we are now i mean it's been it's been awesome the last however many days since he's been here um it's kind of funny it's been he hasn't stopped because he's gone from end of their season then he Mm -hmm. literally flew out here the next day for our kind of second follow-up interview then we named the head coach then he went back to san fran then he came back for the press conference then he went home now he's been here and we, I mean, we have multiple discussions on a daily basis. He's actually been in some of our draft meetings, so he's just starting to hear about some of these players for the first time, sort of make some of his notes. I mean, it's, he's been really a joy to work with.
2: That was Nick Casario last night on Texans All Access talking about working with D'Amico Ryans. He, he had said just before that cut, reiterated, like the two didn't really know each other before the, the job interview, before they, they met right. over Zoom. Um, they, knew, yeah, he, uh, so they knew of each other, but they didn't know each other.
4: Like the Patriots played against the Eagles at one point. There were a few situations like that, but other than that, they didn't really know each other. Um, and it sounds like they're getting along smashingly. I think I, I, when I saw the quote the first time of D'Amico having sat in on a few of the meetings, immediately I thought, okay, people are going to read into that because it's going to sound the way it read was, Oh, you know, oh, maybe it's like they're allowing D'Amico into the meetings or something. In context, it was very much said, as, hey, D'Amico played in the championship game, came here, had to go to back to San Francisco, came back here now, and he's trying to get his coaching staff in order. They've been interviewing coaches. So D'Amico hasn't been able to like logistically participate in all the draft meetings. And that's just all the—that's the typical stuff that goes on right yeah. now. And the coaches in any organization are are, are kind of late to the personnel process anyway. After the season, they might take a week or two, and then they come back, and then they start—they start getting basically the Cliff's Notes versions of all the guys they're supposed to be looking at that the the personnel people have identified. You know, and, and as Nick calls it, I think he said, "Put them into different buckets." So yep. that's where the, that's where they are right now. That's not like some kind of. Nick Casario trying to pull the strings and keep uh, D'Amico ignorant or something.
2: I, I got a feel. Well, I, 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 I'll say what I'm going to say after we play this next one, because we've talked before about, hey, Nick Casario. We asked Nick about this directly when he was on with us a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, Nick's got his upbringing, if you will, in the Belichick system, uh, the you know Belichick University, and D'Amico has his the last six years in San Francisco and his time as a player, most of it with Gary Kubiak as his head coach. Here was Casario on blending the two views, head coach and general manager.
3: I mean, I have a lot of respect and appreciation for him, both on a personal and professional level. We understand we have a lot of work ahead of us, but he's been great to work with and just try to be a resource and a sounding board and just really us kind of lean on each other a little bit, You know, respect where he's coming from on some things. I have some viewpoints, and we kind of have to blend them together and ultimately into making good decisions for the organization.
2: I got to think, Seth, Like I'm thinking about these last couple of years, and this is no disrespect to the two previous head coaches this is just my opinion um you know lovey lovey had head coach traits obviously and 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 i think lovey is a smart football guy who's probably a little antiquated david cully was david cully i got to imagine someone like nick who is a really smart football guy i got to imagine he welcomes the level of conversations he's able to have with this head coach with D'Amico ryans on prospects looking at things fit Nick learning some things from D'Amico and vice versa. I I got to imagine that for somebody like Nick, who's pretty intellectual, that it's stimulating to have somebody like D'Amico Ryans to talk to.
4: I I think especially when I kind of lit up and realized, you know what, I missed an angle here was when D'Amico talked about Chip Kelly at the press conference and how he had played under Chip Kelly and learned about just always being on the cutting edge of the sports science, the physical recovery, the analytics, all of that. Um, I think that a lot of GMs right now in the league would get really excited when the guy who's calling card – like, D'Amico's calling card in a lot of ways this last couple of years has been that, man, those 49ers are a physically bruising bunch. They come up and they beat the snot out of you. And yet, at the same time, D'Amico's totally into all the more advanced side of things. Like, that's a nice – that's, that's an A.J. Hinch type of guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like in a lot of ways, this is one of the ways in which I feel like, okay – the Texans are doing some of the things that the Astros did a good job of. You find a coach like AJ Hinch who can marry both sides—former player who gets that, gets those guys, but totally understands and appreciates the analytical side of things. Hires an offensive coordinator who spent two years at pro football focus. All of that. The other thing that I thought of, in terms of, you know, what can these two bond over? If if we're talking about two different offensive systems, two different approaches, mindsets, whatever. My God. The importance or the effectiveness of tight ends in that San Francisco offense versus in the Patriots offense when they were really at one of their peak levels. And not to mention that, not to mention just that the tight ends help, but that the tight ends, especially if you have a guy like a Gronk or if you have a guy like a Kittle or if you have an Aaron Hernandez, a a law-abiding Aaron Hernandez, um, or an Owen Daniels, it's that you put the defense in a bind and you very much – make it hard for them to figure out what personnel to put on the field, whether you're going to try to stop the pass or stop the run. And that's going to be a common theme with both D'Amico because he appreciates it as a defensive coordinator. He's seen it with the offenses on the teams he's been on, and and certainly the Patriots know all of that very well. And then the other thing, too, is um, all those all those tight ends that I just mentioned, none of them came in the first round. Like, they were... They were as much beneficiaries of the system as they were drivers of the system.
2: Yeah, that's you know it's funny you say that because you're you're laying out the importance of the tight end, and of course, as has been pointed out to me by Nick himself, I have a proclivity for Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame, who's the best tight end in this draft. But there's other yeah. good tight ends. There's like three or four like really good first round graded to early second round graded tight ends in this draft. You're laying that out. I'm like, well, there's no way they get past day 2 and don't have a tight end, but you're right. Like George Kittle was a 5th round pick. I think Tegan yeah. Katoriano who they drafted last year in the 5th or 6th round out of Oregon State, I think has a chance plugged into the right system cuz he's he was drafted for his blocking, but he did show some things this season that he is pretty athletic, especially down in the yeah. red zone, you know?
4: Yeah, yeah. And um and you know, I think the other big thing too where with, uh, Perhaps sometimes we overly simplify things. We talk about, okay, well, what's a what's a Shanahan or Gary Kubiak-type system compared to Sean McVay's tweak on it or all of that? And, you know, well, the the Kupchanistan system doesn't necessarily want a slot receiver type. Well, like, let's not act like Gary Kubiak um, or any of those guys have never tried to get a, a classic slot receiver. It's just that it didn't always work out that way. Obviously, the Patriots just, you know, that was their trademark was having – some Wes Welker, some Julian Edelman, some slippery little dude that was a, a bargain find. Um, but I think that those... Like, that's not something that those guys are going to argue about. I think if they have, if like John Mechie, for instance, it's not like D'Amico's going to come in here and be like, nope, I only want big wide receivers, not this (laughs) tough little badass who just beat cancer. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Right.
2: Exactly. Uh, Let's get to another one from Cassidy. How fast did
4: he beat cancer?
2: Not fast enough. (laughs) Dude. dude, Get him out of here. According to Nick, pretty fast. Remember, he's. he he said he's in better shape now. Incredible. Yeah, he's better shape now than when he arrived in the building last year. Um. Casario last night on Texans All Access. Here he is on evaluating the current roster with D'Amico Ryans.
3: Yeah, it's important. I mean, I can have my opinions about like, where we think the team is or what do we think mm-hmm. of a certain player. He's taken the last, you know, however many days. He's gone through our team, you know, which is a pretty substantial exercise. But to familiarize himself with – and we didn't play play San Francisco this, we played him in a preseason. We played him last year in 2021. So understanding our players, understanding our team, and then if he has a question, then I can kind of fill in the gaps. So let him kind of create his own opinion because you don't want to just force an opinion on a player. Well, here's what I think. Okay, well, it doesn't mean that's right. It just means, well, here's maybe – here's some background – Okay, how do you view the player? Does this player fit? Do you think it makes sense? So we've gone through some position fits. What's important? What's important on a defensive line? What's important on a defensive tackle? What's important on a defensive end? What's important at linebacker? Can you play with this person at nickel? What are some of the criteria? And doing that on both sides of the ball so that as you're bringing players onto the team or considering players, you're factoring all those variables in.
2: All right, you and I both started laughing at about the same juncture during that cut. I'm going to let you go first. What did you light up about during that, uh, during that cut? You, um, you started smiling at, like, 30 seconds in. I have a reason why I did. I just saw you start smiling.
4: Uh, I was thinking about Kadarius Tony, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> no, because, okay. Yeah, because I, I apparently... Okay, so originally what I was thinking was this. So Wade Phillips had told me once that, like, you know, you got to be careful when you come into a new place because a lot of times, for whatever reason, the previous staff might think a guy is a bum, and then he ends up being, like your favorite guy ever. Yeah. But then in another situation, they might say like, this is the guy best ever. And for whatever reason, he's a bum for you. Like the, the situation matters a lot uh, more so than people realize. So I was thinking about that. Like, you know, I think Nick, you know, Nick might have a a negative appraisal of one guy, but he ends up being okay with D'Amico. We don't know. But then (laughs) apparently whatever Kadarius Tony's locker room issues were at New York, (laughs) They were definitely issues. I don't know what it was, but I've just heard people talk like, "No, no, 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 no." no he had to go. Yeah, yeah. So he had to go. Yeah, so yeah. Had to go. <laughs> do yeah. you know more about it than I do? I just, I've just heard people say like, "Ah, no, nah, no, nah, he, he had to get out of it." Yeah, the Giants no, didn't mess that up. He had to get the hell out yeah, of it.
2: Yeah, no, I just he he was. It sounded like he was very immature. Is what I remember. Is what yeah. I recall. Like, he made plays in the Super Bowl. The, the, the,
4: yeah, that happened. I mean, sometimes like a—I don't know—I have zero clue about Kadarius Tony. I'm thinking about other situations we've sure. heard where maybe like a, a player sleeps with another player's wife or something. Like, okay, he's, he's yeah, got to go. eject. <laughs> okay, on the that. team couldn't there's, make it work. There's something—some things, go. some things yeah. the
2: film doesn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, like this yeah. guy's horny as hell. Like,
4: yeah. You can't crush the Saints for getting rid of this guy. He's a little rambunctious.
2: Yeah. I was—I was laughing for totally different reasons because as Nick was laying out how they're doing that, like he's—he made it sound like. He may, you know what he made it sound like? He made it sound like when you and I are texting each other and we, one of us has found like audio or something we think will be good for the show. And and whoever found it says to the other guy, like, don't listen to it. I want you yeah, to react yeah. organically. It yeah. sounded like that because he's like, you know, we're, like, D'Amico's looking at the players and I'm not injecting my opinion. I want him to formulate his own opinion. But I'm, just, I'm picturing, like I think in the, like, the worst case scenario the, for the Texan fan that's still like most skeptical that they yeah. hear that and they go, yeah, he's probably letting D'Amico form his own opinions. And then D'Amico gives his opinions and then he tells him how wrong he is. Like, so, so what, what do you think of this, uh, Chris? What do you, what <laughs> do you, what do you, what do you think of this Kenyon Green? Uh, well, you know, look, I see some things on film where there's something to work with here, Nick. You know, like, uh, like, uh, you know, he's, he's very athletic. You know, if he gets in the, in the right hands with the right offensive line coach. And I think in this system, it's a run based system. I think he could do uh, a lot of things right. Nope. Yep. Nope. Sorry, D'Amico. He's trash. <laughs> he was bad his rookie years. Just a wrong draft pick by me. And we need to move on. Okay. Next. Uh, John Metchet, yeah. Like it that that's that's what I was picturing, like like a quiz show or something like that. <laughs> that that's um I
4: wonder and that's the thing too about GMs that I, I think sometimes again. We've had some soap opera-type drama around here for the last few years, so I get why people kind of are pre-wired to think that way. I am myself, because it's better for ratings if, if there is actual drama going on. But I think for the most part, with most GMs, guys who have been in personnel for a long time, they are actually, they might have cocky aspects to them, but most of them are also really humble, because you don't you're not in that job without being wrong a whole bunch. So GMs generally, even the bad ones... Like, generally, yeah, they want guys with different opinions. They want to be able to see what their blind spots are. Like, very few GMs are going to hear one of their scouts say, I don't like this guy, and then immediately shut him down. Yeah. You know, it's just not the way they're wired. There are, you hear stories about, like, the really bad ones or the, just the tyrannical idiots that are like that. But for the most part, and Nick strikes me as this one, he's, y- you have to, you absolutely just 100% have to respect people's divergent opinions otherwise why do you have them on your staff yeah you know like if everybody agrees with you then it, apparently like you hired a bunch of yes men and there's no reason for them to be there anyway so just move on
2: there's still a lot of people who I feel like are just you know kind of watching super intently to see what when when is the relationship between these two gonna crack when is Nick gonna go all patriots on D'Amico and just in, inject his opinion on everything and make and take all these and I understand I I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I think they're going to work really well together. This is what I I can tell you. I'm not going to tell people how to fan, but I can just tell you from the first couple weeks of this D'Amico Ryan's era and the collaboration with Nick Casario that it's a whole lot more fun consuming it with the assumption that they're going to work well together than trying to find, oh my God, he's making him interview Nick Cayley. Making him interview? D'Amico might want to interview him. Like, he might think he's good at it too. So, right. Look, I. I understand what these last three years have done to Texan fans looking at things skeptically. I totally get it. Yeah, I think there
4: were total power struggles between Rick Smith and Bill O'Brien. Um, you know, and then again, with all those things, there's different levels. In ca- you know, I guess the probably the quote unquote power struggle that was the weirdest in Houston recent history was Dwight Howard and James Harden, because it seems like they never actually... It seems like they just didn't see things the same way, but were never going to actually confront each other on it. I almost get a sense in a way that maybe it was like that with Rick Smith and Bill O'Brien. Like, it maybe just got to a point where they didn't see it eye to eye, but neither one wanted to be the guy that was going to go and try to get the other one ousted. Who knows? Um, But it was. It wasn't... It it did not seem, at the end, like a very productive working relationship. No. Uh, So far... Until I think generally these things start out as pretty productive, good working relationships. Until they're not. Right now we're we're definitely in the honeymoon per, uh, period. Yeah, no
2: question. Yeah, they haven't they haven't even picked one player. They haven't signed one free agent since the two got together. I'm just telling you, that's the the lens I choose to look at it through, and it's made it fun the last couple weeks. Makes me love every bit of content coming out of the Texans right now. Um, trailer wheel and frame text page to to the point we were just making here. Here's a here's a text from zero seven eight zero. It's believed Casario has final say on personnel, so that assumes draft picks. But what if the Dominoes fall a certain way with the first pick and D'Amico and Nick are at odds with the choice for number 2? Who do you really think gets the final say with McNair's sign-off?
4: Right, right. And that's the thing. Like, honestly... If you're in, if you have a situation like that, especially in year one, where all of a sudden they can't figure it out, then you fire everybody immediately. Yeah, like that's just like no. That's Sean Payton spoke about this at his press conference, and, and I know I've been bashing Sean Payton a little bit lately because it's fun, but he also says a lot of really really good stuff, and he's obviously a successful coach. I sorry, We have one listener who um, uh, quit the station yesterday, apparently Sean, because I was too, um, because he, he he wanted to defend Sean Payton too much. Okay. So anyway. Um, Sean Payne said, like, look, the entire 15 years he was with Mickey Loomis, they never had an argument or, like, butted heads over the drafts or free agency or anything like that. He said they used to argue all the time about little things like the promotional terrible towel-type things and everything. But as far as, like, the actual personnel stuff, like, yes, there are disagreements, but generally, just like if you have a business partner, like, yeah, think about this. I, I feel like this is what – I think this is why Nick Castario sometimes, you know, tells people to just – calm down a little bit about the draft. Think about this. We're asking, like, basically, would you go into a successful uh, family-owned furniture store where uh, two brothers own and run it and, like, basically be and, and act like at any given moment... They might have a disagreement that's unresolvable, and how the hell are they going to finish it? Like, what are you going to do? You guys can't figure out a price on, you can't figure out how much to mark down for the Labor Day sale? Who's the final answer? (laughs) Who has final say? How will you figure it out? Like, they don't, I promise you, they don't treat a third round draft pick like the same way that we do. Right. Like, it's not because they understand the fallibility of draft picks. It's a, it's a probability proposition you know
2: well and this the way this question's worded what if the dominoes fall a certain way with the first pick and D'Amico and Nick are at odds on the choice for number two that implies that something's going to happen on draft night that they haven't planned for they're picking second like every contingency will have been planned for what if somebody moves ahead of us what if the Bears take this guy what if the Bears said what the Bears throw a curveball and take Bryce Young you know it's they know what they're gonna do
4: that the other thing too as far as like okay if If McNair has to be the tiebreaker. Now, there might be situations, I don't know, where, like, people with a good relationship might be like, you know what, we're, we're genuinely at odds with this. Let's, let's ask the owner's opinion on this. The owner... And a football owner, generally, until he wants to stick his foot in, does not want the people he's paying millions of dollars a year to come to him and be like, "Daddy, um, Daddy, we can't figure out whose turn it is to uh, to have the pop guns. Could you please tell us? Right. You know, like that's not what he wants. Yeah. If you now, if he wants to stick his foot in, and, and you say like, "All right, look, this is my decision, guys. then so be it. Yep.
2: All right. Daddy,
4: <laughs> <laughs> Father." father. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, all right. Uh, we're heading into the seven o'clock hour. Let's circle back. Spring training starts today. Um, how do we get sufficient uh, vitriol built up for the baseball season on the first day of spring training? Play something stupid that a New York Yankee said about the Houston oh. Astros.
4: Oh my gosh. I'm d- one, of the, I, one of the dumbest things you'll ever hear. Yes. And you guys listen to our show.
0: Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.